Ah, hello. Hello, hello. Politics. Yes. Politics <laughs> sucks, man. Sucks. <laughs> it sucks. It sucks real bad. Man, you know something else that doesn't suck? What? First Line Technologies Hybrid Decon. They are Ooh. revolutionizing the whole decon process with their bar method, which is blot, apply, and remove using wet and dry decon. Which means no more rigging, no more hoses, mm. no more trying to find an area that's large enough to set it all up because the system is super compact. Uh, yep. It's like basically you can just take the whole thing and toss it in the back of your chief's truck. Yeah. So why be a clown and use PVC kiddie pools and stuff like that? Do your own recon at makedeconsuckless.com or visit them at firstlinetech.com because Firstline Technology is making decon suck less. Oh, we are back at the morning. 404. Yeah. Actually, we started recording in the morning because we're like, why are we doing this at night all the time? <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, th I can give you the reason for that. The reason for that is because every time we try to record during the day, a lawn guy comes. That is so true. That, so we, <laughs> we started, but your lawn guy came the other day. So we know we know we're clear. Yeah, we're, we're pretty good. So, um, <laughs> A bunch of stuff to get. Let me just get through these real quick. Um, Specialist Happy Hour is going to be. Uh, whoa! Ooh. I just did a major shift in my. That's did. incredible. And I, I'm zoomed in, or at least my background is zoomed in really tight. You can't see my nifty graffiti work. Uh that's all right. We can fix that. We can fix it. <laughs> well, while <laughs> I fix my uh, my my. Zoom. Yeah, we got we today the day that we're recording, so it's going to be about three days before you actually hear this episode. Uh, we dropped the survey bomb onto the the hazmat world, so that went out, and we were just talking because we're looking at the the live feed come back from this. Uh, in the time that we hit start record, Bob, we gained another five people who clicked onto the survey because we're, we're watching we're watching the survey come in live. So so uh, it is so far we're only an at 40 we are 43 minutes into the survey we have 45 people who have taken the survey uh, it is a survey that is based upon trying to figure out what everybody wants for training nowadays you know we had COVID happened the online training has come in and I think as instructors and as people that both distribute content and create content and teach content it is super important for us not to assume what everybody wants and to always be on the that that they call it the bleeding edge of change throughout our community. So we said, you know what? Let's not try to take a guess as to what people want. Let's just freaking ask them. So we did. We threw out the survey. Uh, you can find the survey at the hazmatguys.com mm -hmm. slash survey. Uh, take it. If you do, we would be so super appreciative that you took the time to give us good, honest answers that we are going to give you a coin. We're going to mail you this poker chip coin, which is super, super cool. cool. And hold on to it because it's going to be the key to other things in the future. Ah. 
Okay. <laughs> we won't give too much away. We never give too much away, but just enough to like take this coin and hold on to it for conferences and times that we're all going to be gathering because it's going to be super, super important. Uh, and yep. there's going to be more poker chips out there. Uh, and this is going to be the first of the poker chips. So this will, this is like the origin story of poker chips. Yep. Uh, and you also get the um, the tutorial on the contaminated bunker gear, which I already got two emails this morning saying I'm stealing this, and I said that's the point. Yeah, Take it's not. It. You're not stealing if we're giving it to you. <laughs> we're giving it to you. It's free. Uh, Take it. Use it. That's the point. Right, right. Not everything so, in this world needs to be bought and paid for. No. So no. Uh, thank you for helping us, and in return, we are helping you, and hopefully, we'll help you even more with going forward. So. Now let's help them with a little topic. Yeah, so the topic of today is uh, PPE failure. And if you get the newsletter, and if you don't, I highly recommend the newsletter because it, it, there is some really good stuff in the newsletter. But last week's newsletter, which would be August uh, 1st, it came out. Yeah, I think so. Would have had a the science clip of the week was talking about this woman who died of dimethylmercury overdose. And uh, when I came across the video, I was like, wow, we very rarely hear of PPE failures, right? Like, it's not something we hear, you know, we hear, use your PPE, da, 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 da. But I don't have a lot of knowledge as to, like, when PPP goes wrong. So we figured, you've got mosquitoes over there. I, I literally, do. I have yellow jackets, like, <laughs> entering my house in some mosquito. unknown location. I've sucked up three of them today with a vacuum cleaner. Uh, so we're inundated with bugs. Uh, yeah. I guess it was our day at the beach. We're probably all salty. Yeah, it's probably what it is. Uh, so... Yeah, dude, this is this is a good topic, man. And I was kind of interested when I was starting to read this thing because it's a it's an interesting case study with some real good pullaways. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Got good science back. It's got good hazmat information. It's got good medical information. You get a better understanding of uh, dimethylmercury and organic mercury poisoning, and some just some crazy ass facts. So yeah, so we're gonna take this boring ass topic of PPE. <laughs> All right, it's not it's not the most boring thing because it's actually like kind of like the line that keeps you safe. But to be honest with you, it's not so much as the the PPE as the failures. I know it's really hard to say that PPE failures. Um, it doesn't happen all that often. No, right? it doesn't. And we've actually had a show about it, right? Our episode, what was it, one thirty four? Uh, I think if I just you know randomly sounded like I pulled that out of my ass, that was and it's amazing. not it's not sitting on the screen in front of me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's usually anytime there's a failure, it's usually operator error. It is usually operator error, and that's what we kind of get into in that episode one thirty four. Uh, and it wasn't that they chose the wrong PPE. Uh, it wasn't that they chose a, a material that the sulfuric acid ate through. It was literally how the the PPE was set up structurally. It was the wrong PPE to use. So it is not just a matter of like A, B, or C. Like within B, there's a whole bunch of different categories. Within A, there's a whole bunch of different categories. But what is interesting about this one is what? What are you talking about? This episode? Or that yeah, this episode. episode. Like, yeah. That, so, so the PPE, the, the 134 yeah. was specifically... The sulfuric acid. Right. Sure. Right? Where um, one of our cohorts... We're not going to rehash the whole thing, but basically there was a, there was a failure, right? And we talked about the proper PPE wasn't selected. Um, and it, it, that was a great example of PPE's failure. In fact, I get requests for that freaking picture. Probably the, once a week. Yeah, all the time. 
I want to add it to my training. I'm like, yeah, sure, put it in. Yeah, I know. It's it's in one of my like quick pictures in my computer yes. because it comes up almost time. every class. But in this one, we're going to talk about a case study which the right PP we selected. However, the wrong material was not was used, and since the wrong material was used, compatibility was not cross checked, leading to the death of a lab worker. Yeah, it can be really it can be really difficult because in our experience, we often kind of go down the path that most chemicals that we come in contact with aren't necessarily going to kill us. Right. We often say that to guys that, that get really worried. It's like, well, wait a second. Calm down. Like in the grand scheme of things, yeah. w- like getting a little bit of exposure is not the end of the world. And, and I know that we don't want to actually think about think like that. But, um, you know, we do tend to think that the 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 the. PPE, we're going to be, it's going to be large quantities of stuff, right? Like right. Our, our suit is going to protect us if we get spilled on or splashed on. We never actually think of the one or two drops because we teach that, especially like our operations level class where we're like, no, no, guys, it's okay. If somebody's down in that liquid or in that spill, go in in your bunker gear, pull them out, you know, go to metal day. You're amazing. You're a hero. Wash yourself off. The bunker mm-hmm. gear can physically protect us. You're going to be good and uh we just have to remember that it's not always the case no it, you know and, and a lot of it is like okay that's an emergency situation where the situation dictates the tactic right I'm like a, oh I'm there's people down what's that i'm a dictate right <laughs> uh but like you know like if you're intentionally in exposing somebody to a high level that that's dangerous that that's not something you would want to do intentionally but for the most part i think in in generalization of hazmat and chemistry uh which is a lot of what we deal in but outside that generalization we have a whole group of chemicals that can seriously have fatal or life-changing effects with only a few drops I, I right off the top of my head we did a whole episode on acrolein that yep. is one that'll put a permanent dent in your fender dimethylmercury <laughs> lens lens squarely in this category yeah all right so uh, i don't know why that struck me as funny uh a <laughs> little bit of background on this information uh, on on this so uh the woman's name and i am going to probably abort the last name but it's karen wetham wetterham Wetterhan. All right. Yeah. So from now on, we'll just refer to her as Karen because, yeah, Karen. Uh, you know, <laughs> not that she's going to complain. You'll find out why at the end. But uh, it's uh, it's a very sad story. But we need to begin with a little bit of background, because quite often when we do case studies, we want to often dissect the case study to figure out if the conclusion that is being drawn is actually the conclusion and it's not from other variables. So a little bit of background is, is important to understand how specific this actual failure is. So uh, the woman who, uh, who is, is Karen, her fate was sealed August 14th, 1996, uh, when uh, she was playing with dimethylmercury. Uh, she was, uh, at the time of the accident, she was a doctor at Dartmouth College. Uh, and she wasn't new to, like, the lab world or the chemical world or the doctorate. She had begun her bachelor's back in 1997, uh, and she got her... I'm sorry, 1970. Uh, She had gotten her doctorate in 1975. The dyslexic one shouldn't be reading numbers. Okay. (laughs) And then the, her debt, her, uh, the time of the accident was August 14th, 1996. So she had tons of experience. Yeah. She was salted. She was all up there. You know, in fact, 
ironically enough, she not only had experience in the lab, but she was also one of the world's specialists. I got this freaking mosquito. It's like right in front of my face. <laughs> you got a mosquito. I literally have a yellow jacket up above me, and I'm doing everything I can not to break out the vacuum on air and suck his ass up. I'm gonna, I got to get this guy. <laughs> he's, he's driving me up the wall. Anyway, uh, so she was a, a world specialist in toxic metal exposure. So how did she end up getting exposed in the first place? Well, she was using a dye called methyl mercury as a standard internal reference for nuclear magnetic resonance measurements. So uh, what do they call it? MRIs, right? MRIs, yep. Right. Um, the dimethyl mercury is basically used as a calibration chemical, no different than how we use a calibration gas to make sure that our meters are operating properly. Yeah, and while she was transferring some of the dimethyl mercury, a few drops came out of the pipette, landed on her gloved hand. Key uh -oh. here, guys, gloved hands. Not realizing that there wasn't that there was uh, much danger to what had happened, she followed all the correct protocols. She cleaned up the spill, and it's important to note that the protocols had her clean up the spill before removing her gloves, which in the long run may have resulted in uh, additional higher exposure. Yeah, and I'll say just from the lab perspective, um, labs just buy gloves. And very infrequently do people go, oh, you're like, um, let me pick the right glove. It's just like I pick up the box of gloves because this is work. Like, it's just like work. So in the interest of making this really sure that the point is driven home, that this exposure was the result of an improper material used in PPE and not anything else, we're going to stress here a couple of key points. Her colleagues and the community at large all agree that she was following the proper procedures. That's important. Yeah. At the time of the incident, Chemical safety in the lab required the use of gloved hands, but they never specified what type of material was to be used. Right. So basically, any type of glove would have turned around and met the standard at the time. And right. she followed all the other procedures to a T. In fact, John Wynn, who is the head of Dartmouth uh, Chemistry Department, is quoted as saying that she was that and I'll, I'll read this specifically because it is a quote um she was taking what any of us would consider prudent and reasonable precautions she was using a hood to protect herself from fumes and she was wearing a face shield and latex gloves when she spilt a drop or so of the colorless highly volatile chemical we don't think any of us recognize that that compound was so penetrating yeah and and again this is 1996 nitrile really didn't hit the scene until after 9-11. Really? I'm not going to say, yeah, dude, I, it was, we were using an EMS, you know, regular latex gloves. Like, that was what we were using. Okay. And I don't think, I'm not going to say this is an absolute fact. I'm just kind of thinking off the top of my head. I don't think nitrile really came out onto the scene until, like, 2005. At least I didn't see it. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I don't have any recollection of. I mean, I remember latex, and for some reason, I remember nitrile being in hazmat. Uh, but I just now assumed, it's everywhere. Right now, it's everywhere. I just assumed it was for latex allergies that everybody went to to nitriles. That, that's a, probably a, an interesting parallel. I, I don't know. It's you know, but it's interesting. You know, so like, and and just for the record. Dartmouth chemistry is pretty freaking good. It's, it's a <laughs> Ivy League school. It is. It, you it, know. How do you know you, that? I heard. <laughs> you I heard. heard things. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I've been told. Um, uh. So dimethylmercury is extremely 
extremely toxic organic compound with the chemical formula of CH3 to HG, right? And so it's history, it's history. That was a weird emphasis. Uh, <laughs> history is marked by several tragic incidents that we have high, that have highlighted this extreme toxicity and lethality. Here is an overview of the history of dimethylmercury, including its origination and cases studies of toxicity and lethality. Yeah, so dimethylmercury uh, was first synthesized in 1858 by this dude called Alexander von Bong, which is an awful (laughs) name. Uh, Oh, I guess I could could pronounce the E and call it bungee, uh, but I much prefer bung. Uh, He was a Russian chemist, and he synthesized the reaction of sodium algamate with dimethyl sulfate, resulting in the formation of dimethylmercury. Uh, The compound is clear, it's colorless, and it's a a volatile liquid with a a slightly sweet odor, uh, making it kind of difficult to detect without specialized equipment. Right. So, Minamata... I like saying that, minimata disease, which is what comes from this. So dimethylmercury is believed to be one of the only compounds responsible for the infamous minimata disease outbreak in Japan in the mid-20th century. Industrial wastewater containing methylmercury compounds was released into minimata bay and contaminating the local seafood. Then they ingested the contaminated fish and led to severe neurological symptoms and developmental disorders among the affected population, causing widespread health and environmental damages. Yeah, so dimethylmercury is considered one of the most toxic substances known to science. How cool is that? That I mean, if you're going to be if you're going to die from some kind of an overdose, it might as well be like the worst. Right. Like they should have named it after her. They They should. They should. Ca- well, maybe that's where Karen comes from. Ah, ah, that was that was wrong. Okay, uh, it can penetrate the skin, mucous membranes, even some uh, protective materials. It is incredibly dangerous, and worst of all, man, once this stuff is absorbed into the body, it easily crosses the blood-brain barrier and accumulates in the central nervous system, causing severe, severe damage. Uh, it is super, super toxic due to something called a high lipid solubility, which basically means it's fat soluble, um, and it allows it to kind of store up in fatty tissue. Interesting. Yeah. Now, exposure to dimethylmercury can lead to acute and chronic health effects. It feels, I feel like I'm uh, one of those commercials for like... <laughs> medicines. Yeah, medicines where they just keep talking and talking, <laughs> like uncontrolled bowel movements. And okay. do, you, do you remember the, the commercial back in like the 90s? It was an E-Trade commercial. And they go into a medicine and they're like, they start going into the side effects. And it's like uh, side effects are uh, seeing the dead, a condition known as hot dog fingers. Your children being born with the head of a golden retriever. <laughs> and he's like saying it really fast. And the guy logs out to his E-Trade and he sells all of his account of that, <laughs> of that pharmaceutical. Very That's- funny. That is funny. That's, you know, and, but you know what would come with that? That would come with some real good training. Yes, it would. You know, so speaking of training, Ooh, why ha- wouldn't you char- choose us as your training partner? Why wouldn't you? Well, I know why you would, right? So you would well, do you it be, be good. Well, you want to be the best, right? But you want experience that delivers results. You want an experienced team and you want instructors who are have been trained by some of the best to literally help you reach your potential. Yep. We will make you every single one of our, uh, our, our deliveries is custom. So we tailor it for you and make sure that you get what you need. We are absolutely 100% dedicated to the cutting edge technology tools and techniques. 
and we have engaging and interactive sessions regardless if it's in person or online. And even though you want to retire and forget this stuff at some point, we will make sure that as you sit in our class, that this information will last a lifetime. We're looking at you, Todd. Just saying. <laughs> Don't let your potential go untapped, Todd. Choose this as your training partner and embark on a personal and professional growth journey. Contact us now by visiting thehazmatguys.com slash hire us to reserve your spot and start your transformational training experience today. Mm. Anyway. As we were saying, as we were saying, uh, I, so <laughs> I didn't uh, we say were talking the neurological about damages. So let yeah, because we were going into the golden retriever head. Uh, <laughs> neurological damages such as symptoms include personality changes. That's not good, man. No. When your personality changes, that is like deep seated crap. Yeah. Cognitive impairment, tremors, loss of coordination, ultimately coma or death. Yeah, it, this stuff, when it gets into you, before you die, dimethylmercury can cause major damage to your kidneys. Uh, it can also go after reproductive cells, right? Uh, prenatal exposure can lead to developmental tissue and birth defects in babies. And long-term, man, the chronic exposure of this stuff uh, in, in, like, gradual neurological deterioration over time is what is expected if you're doing small amounts over a long period of time. Now, the lethality. The lethal dose, right? The lethal dose of dimethylmercury is extremely low. Even a full few milliliters or a few drops of the substance can be fatal if absorbed into the body, as seen with the tragic case of Karen Wetterhan. Uh, the exact lethal dose can vary based upon individual fa factors such as metabolism, overall health. Uh, I would wager a guess probably also body size. Uh, but it's basically considered on the order of a few milligrams or less is fatal. Yeah. So what is the pathophysiology of dimethylmercury? Well, first of all, we have to tell you what the hell pathology, pathophysiology is, right? So what is the patho pathophysiology of dimethylmercury? Pathophysiology is literally the study of the pathway of destruction of something. Right. So dimethylmercury can be absorbed through the skin, the respiratory system by inhalation, gastrointestinal tract by ingestion, and once absorbed, it readily and uh, readily and rapidly enters the bloodstream where it can be distributed throughout the whole body. And due to its high lipid solubility, fats, it can easily pass through cell membranes and distribute into tissues with a particular affinity for the central nervous system. Right. And since we are now at 65 surveys, and this is clearly, our survey is clearly getting into the brains of the people around us. Sorry, I had to throw that in because I'm excited over our survey. Um, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about brain accumulation, right? It gets in there. We talked about the high lipid solubility of dimethylmercury crosses the blood-brain barrier. Once it's there, it has that same nasty effect on the cells on neurons, right? So it basically destroys the cellular structure. It denatures proteins and enzymes, and it totally disrupts their normal function. This is, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, I know the most toxic chemical in the world is dimethylcadmium, which it's is just a weird thing that I remember. Probably um, really similar. It's right in that same thing. Dimethylmercury. Mercury is not good for you. I'll just say that in the first place. But cadmium is even worser for you, right? It's, it's less gooder. Um, this is really bad stuff. I'm, I'm just reading through this as we're doing this, and I'm like, holy crap, this is bad stuff. Yeah. Um, you got cellular damage. Dimethylmercury is highly reactive and can form a strong covalent bond 
with the sulfohydryl groups in proteins. Um, this leads to protein denatur denaturization. Denaturization. I'm glad I'm not the only one who can't speak today. Denaturization. Yeah, that sounds good. Enzyme right. inhibition. What the hell? Am I drunk now? <laughs> Resulting in impaired, impaired speech, cellular <laughs> metabolism, and energy production. Maybe you've got a dimethyl exposure Maybe happening. That mosquito had dimethyl <laughs> cadmium in it. Whatever. Uh, uh, inside the cells, what produces all of the energy of your cells to work is the mitochondrial. And dimethylmercury can basically disrupt the mitochondrial functioning, and that leads to that decrease in ATP. Uh, and if we remember from like high school biology, that is the uh, that's uh, the gas. Yeah, that's the gas, baby. That is literally what makes things happen inside your body. Uh, what is it? Acetone triperoxide? No, that's uh, no. ATP. No, that's adenosine. Uh, adenosine triperoxide yeah. i'm thinking explosives uh and so once you start to 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 prevent the cells from being able to produce the energy obviously just like our society if we took gas away the society would break down individuals would break down same thing happens within the cell so your neuron damage dimethylmercury has a strong affinity for neural tissue particularly in the cerebellum and the cerebral cortex. Oh, that, that explains kind of why you have that personality change. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Touch, touch it, the brain, never the same. <laughs> it, uh, I used to tell my kids that with the picking the nose. Um, <laughs> it damages neurons directly, leading to the degeneration and death, and destruction of the neurons in these regions results in the characteristic neurological symptoms associated with the dimethylmercury toxicity, such as the tremors, the loss of coordination, and cognitive impairment. All right. I'm going to totally mispronounce this word, but I think it's called glial cells. Glial, yeah. Glial, right? Then glial cells play a crucial role in maintaining brain homeostasis, uh, which for those of you that are out there has nothing to do with their sexual preference. It is literally keeping your body the same, all right? And it provides support and structures for the neurons. Uh, however, when the neurons are damaged, these cells in the central nervous system, they become, they become activated. And when they become activated, that can lead to an inflammation response, uh, which may just make your brain even worse. Yeah, because there's not like uh, the container can expand. No, well, that's why they, they cut your skull off. And, you know, when you have a, a brain injury, like a traumatic brain injury, you know, they, they saw your skull off, they pop it open, and that lets the, the pressure alleviate. Right, because if not, it'll squeeze through the bottom, and that's not a, that's not a good day for anybody. So. No. Uh, we'll do this one and we'll kind of because we're running out of time for this episode. So delayed onset of symptoms. One notable aspect of the dimethylmercury toxicity is the delayed onset of symptoms. Hmm. The compound can remain in the body for an extended period before the symptoms even become evident. And this is due to the slow accumulation of dimethylmercury in the central nervous system, leading to a progressive development of neurological effects over weeks to months. Terrible. Oof. And uh, Mr. Holmes, thank you for being number 70 on the survey list. Ah. 